Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Last in our series of Heart Habits for Real Change, uh, looking at different habits that God uses to bring about change in our hearts. And so the habit that we're talking about this week is confession. And so this had always been on the schedule, um, but it, it is actually very appropriate. It fits in somewhat with the events uh, of this week. If you, if you got my Resurrection Weekly email yesterday, which came out kind of late, uh, but if you looked at it and you paid attention, you might have noticed something was a little bit off about it. The subject line of that email said, Lament and Confession. And then if you read the email, there's nothing about confession in the email. It, it was unfinished, <laughs> uh, and I never went back and changed the subject line. But um, so the email was about lament, and rightly so, for there is, it, is, it is right to lament uh, when there is death, when there is suffering. It is right to lament as God's people with those who feel it more acutely, even, if, even for those of us who don't feel it as acutely, to recognize that other people, even those not directly affected by the murders in Atlanta, are grieving greatly and feel them in a very particular way. And, but one of the things that happens when we start talking about that is then this, this conversation becomes awkward. That some people, some of us may have come to realize in this week, wow, I had no idea that over the past year that hate crimes against Asian Americans had gone up so much. 150% according to some reports. We say, wow, I, I had no idea. And so that can put us in an awkward place. When we realize things, we're like, well, is this... And we can start questioning because we feel shame and uncertainty. And so we're like, well, is this really true? Is this really about race? Is this really a hate crime? And in this specific instance, if you follow the news, it's, it's unclear. There's a great mixture of motivations, it seems, in this particular incident in Atlanta. But... The, the bigger picture is that when we see uncomfortable things that we may, we may feel some, some guilt or shame, our tendency is to push them away, to deny, to, to look for outs, to try to justify ourselves. And the good news for today is that God gives us a much better way. So when we see lament, there's actually a connection to confession. Sometimes lament is just, is just abstract. It's something that has just happened to us. Many of the psalms are that way. The bad guys are out there and they are hurting us and those are right to sing and reflect on. But sometimes and often there's an element of, I, I may have done something wrong. And so it is important that we not neglect that, but instead see God's good news and what he offers and how a habit of confession can help us respond to things more rightly and can help us experience the healing that God offers. So let's hear, uh, let's hear God's word now from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your word. We thank You for the goodness of it. We thank You for the grace of it. We pray now that as we reflect on Your word together that You would speak to us by the power of Your Holy Spirit. That this word would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts. That it may change the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. If you ever walked into a completely dark room, and even, even a room with which you're somewhat familiar, maybe a room in your house, and you walk through in the darkness, I, I've experienced this frequently over the years trying to make my way to a, a crying child. Um, you may have experienced that or you may have experienced other times walking into a dark room, even one that's familiar, and you kind of feel your way around. And you know, you kind of know where things are and you can kind of feel your way through. But it's, it's hard to walk through a dark room, right? It, it's hard. And even in a place that you're familiar, sometimes you may stub a toe or you may trip over something. Sometimes there may be something there that you weren't expecting. Certainly if you walk into an unfamiliar dark room, you're going to be really in trouble and you're tripping over things all the time. And yet when you flip on that light switch and it comes on, then everything becomes clear. And all these things that were, were trip obstacles and fallings and, and seem so confusing, it all becomes clear and you can walk through no problem at all. And yet the fact of it is that flipping on the light switch does not change what was in the room in the first place. The furniture was there all along. All the obstacles were there all along. It just became much easier once you flipped on the light switch. It allowed you to see. It brought to light. the thing. It revealed the things that were already there. And what we see in 1 John chapter 1, the overall overwhelming message here is that God is light. That's how he starts it off. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So all of this discussion of sin that follows sin and confession and cleansing, it has to come from the starting point that God has revealed things because he is light. God is perfect light, and light reveals what is there. The question is not really what is there versus what is not there. It's really whether we will admit what is there, whether we will acknowledge the light, whether we will walk in the power of the light. But the beauty of God that is shown to us here is that light, light is amazing. Not only does light make us see, for better or for worse sometimes. Sometimes we see things we don't want to see. So light is revealing. Light is challenging. Light is guiding. But you know, light is also cleansing. Light is also purifying. Do you know that one of the things you can do when you're trying to get stains out of clothes, you wash them and then you go and hang them up in the sun. Not only do they dry, but they are bleached by the sun. And they can actually be purified in the sun. So the message here for us for 1 John, the message of comfort, the message of hope, is that God is light. God is revealing light that shows things the way they really are. But God is also purifying light 
that will change and transform us. And so then the question is for us, seeing God's light, what are we going to do? Are we going to walk in the light and receive his guidance, follow the path that is easy, or are we going to hide from the light? Sometimes when the light comes on in the room, we don't like what we see. You wake up in the morning, you didn't clean up the night before, you flip on the light, and it's a messy room in front of you. You're like, oh, what a mess. So what do you do? Just turn off the light and go back to bed. I mean, sometimes we would like to, right? When it's a messy house, that's fine. But sometimes we do the same thing in our lives. We say, you know what? I don't like what God is showing. I don't like what is being revealed. So I'm just going to flip that switch off. Or even worse, I'm going to put on a blindfold and deny the light. And now you're walking through a lit room with a blindfold on. Not only are you tripping over the furniture, everybody else sees you tripping over the furniture. But you're trying to tell yourself that there's nothing going on here. Everything is fine. And First John is saying we don't want to do that. Don't do that. Don't walk in the darkness. Don't deny what God has revealed. Instead, walk in the light. Because while there is, there is a revealing there, there is a, a, a painfulness sometimes there, ultimately there is grace and healing and cleansing. The overwhelming message here of 1 John is that of grace. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is a contrast, there is a choice set before us, but it is clear that one choice is so much better. To just step into the light, admit what is there, and receive his cleansing, healing, purifying power. So if that's what John is calling us to, how do we actually go about this? I said that the, the theme of this is a habit, a heart habit of confession. How do we go about developing that heart habit? How do we convince ourselves that that is what we need? And there are, there are three pieces to that that we can see here in 1 John. The first is that we do have to recognize the reality of sin. The second is we have to receive the cleansing of Jesus. And the third is that we have to choose the habit of confession. So we recognize the reality of sin, we receive the cleansing of Jesus, and we choose the habit of confession. But first, the reality of sin. John, John minces no words here. He puts it out in very stark terms. There are only two paths. The paths are to walk in the light or to walk in the darkness. But notice that those are his choices. The choices he set before us are walk in the light or walk in the darkness. Did you notice what choice he did not set before us? He did not really say that there was an option to not be sinful. That was not an option. He said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. This is simply an ongoing reality. We are going to sin. Yes, we can get better. Yes, the Holy Spirit works within us. Yes, we may sin less over time as we grow in our faith in Jesus and our trust in Him. But we will always struggle with sin. It will be a struggle throughout this life until Jesus comes again. 
until he makes all things new. So our choice is not between having sin and not having sin. Our choice is between admitting our sin and denying our sin. That is the choice before us. Uh, in, my, in my other life, my non-pastoral life, I teach test prep, as many of you know. And I really enjoy teaching test prep. I've been doing this for more than 10 years, uh, working for a company, teaching GMAT prep. The GMAT is a test that people take to go to business school. And so I help prepare them for it. And the GMAT is a fascinating test. I can go on and on and on about how fascinating it is. But the most fascinating thing about the GMAT is the way the test is made is that when you get questions right, they get harder. The next question is harder. It's that kind of test. It's a time test. You have to go fast. You get a question right, you get a harder one. You get that right, you get a harder one. What that creates is a test that you cannot feel good about. It will always be hard. No matter how much you study for this test, this is what I tell my students all the time, no matter how much you study, how much you prepare, the test will always be hard. And you will, are guaranteed to see questions that you cannot answer. And in that moment, when you see a question that you cannot answer, the, the big problem on the GMAT is you spend too much time on these questions you can't answer, and then you run out of time. Bad news for your score. So in that moment, when you see a question that you cannot answer, you have to face the reality of your choice. I say this like once a week. You have to face your choice. Your choice is not between getting the question right and getting it wrong. Your choice is between getting the question wrong now or getting it wrong later. So you may as well get it wrong now and save your time for another question that you might be able to get right. And this is the fundamental dynamic of taking this test. You got that for free, I saved you thousands of dollars, you can go take the test, you're good to go now. You'd actually do well. But it's that, that fundamental dynamic on that test is the same as the fundamental dynamic of life. The question is not whether we have sinned or have not sinned. The question is whether we will admit now that we have sinned or whether we will continue to try to hide our sin. And when we continue to try to hide our sin, it just gets worse and worse. We're talking about the cleansing power of light. What happens with dirty laundry when you ball it up and throw it in a corner? It doesn't get clean. It gets moldy. Right? This is what happens with our sin. When we deny the reality, it just gets moldy and gets worse and worse. So if we want to experience the healing power of God, if we want to walk in the light with him, we must recognize the reality of sin. And just to be honest about it. And not to be afraid of it because good news is coming. If we can recognize the reality of our sin and admit it. One of the things I love about this church is that, is that we don't claim to be perfect people. One of our core values is imperfection. We recognize that we don't do everything right. We're not always perfect. We can bring our struggles and our sins, and we can just be honest about them. Morgan gave a beautiful testimony about that a few weeks ago. And it is a beautiful thing about this church. It is a beautiful part of life as a Christian. That you can say, you know what? I have sinned. Now I am forgiven. But we have to recognize the reality of that sin. Because then, once we recognize the reality of sin, then we can receive the cleansing of Jesus. It's right here in verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship with all the one another, all the sinful one another's of us. 
We're all coming from the same place. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Just as stark as John was about the reality that we have all sinned and that it would be a lie to deny it, he is just as absolute about the cleansing power of Jesus. It is not that the blood of Jesus cleanses us after we go through this step and that step and the other step. It is not that the blood of Jesus cleanses our little sins, but not our big sins. It is not that the blood of Jesus cleanses us when we sin by accident, but not when we sin intentionally. It is simply that the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Stop. Full stop. If we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. So if we want to live in this reality, what does this look like? We have to, we have to more than just know this. We have to more than just read this. That's why I said we have to receive it. We have to feel it. We have to embrace it. And this is hard for so many of us. So many of us, we see that we may, some of us, some of us struggle with denying the reality of our sin, but others of us are very aware of the reality of our sin, but we struggle with what God is doing with that. And Suzanne puts this beautifully. She says that, you know, many people feel like that I'm, I'm sitting here and my sin is on the table and God, and we're, I'm looking at it, and God is over there looking at it too, and he's wagging his finger at me and my sin, saying, how could you do such a thing? But we have to realize that in reality, God is not on the other side of the table wagging his finger at it. In reality, God has come around the table, and God is sitting next to us. Jesus has sat next to us, and we are looking at the sin together. Does Jesus hate my sin? Absolutely, Jesus hates my sin. But when I step into the light, I hate my sin too. And so if Jesus hates my sin and I hate my sin, we're on the same side here. Because Jesus is with me. Jesus does not hate me and my sin. Jesus and I hate my sin together. Unfortunately, I can't do anything about my sin. It's sitting there and I don't know what to do with it. I'm just ashamed of it. But Jesus has come around the table and he has sat on my side. And Jesus could do something about it. Because Jesus has the power and the authority to forgive sins. Because he is the one who was offended. He is God himself. He is the one who created us. And so all sins, even when we hurt other people, even when we kill and destroy the image bearers of God, Jesus is the one who made them. And he says, I, I can forgive that. He has the authority to forgive our sins. And he has come around to the same side, say, and I'm going to walk with you. In fact, I'm going to take that sin upon myself. It's not just that he's going to be able to write it off, but it says the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Because Jesus came around the table. He came down to earth with us. And he lived that life to say, I'm going to live the life that you could not live in perfection so that he was not doing any punishment in himself, but he could then take on to himself all the punishment that was due us. And so by his blood, by his sacrifice, he can cleanse us and put all that sin away. But we have to receive and rest in him having come around the table. That yes, we hate our sin. Yes, we see it has been brought into the light. But Jesus is looking at it in the same way that we are. 
and he is hating it with us from our side. But even better, he is doing something about it. He has cleansed us from our sin. So how do we actually receive that? How do we feel that? This is the work of God in our hearts. This is something that we go to him in prayer. That we say, God, I, I know, I see in your word, I believe. Or maybe I don't believe yet. Maybe you're not a Christian. You're like, I don't know if the Bible is true, but man, that sounds really good. I would love for my sins to be forgiven. I want to believe that. You can talk to God about that. Say, God, help me to believe. Could this really be true? Could this really be so good? This absolute, this promise that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin? Ask God to show that to you. Ask him for the help of his Holy Spirit. Spend time in his word. When you read through God's word and spend time in it, you do not, you do not feel the condemnation. Yes, you see the recognition of reality. You see sin laid out in the Bible in all of its gory detail. But you see hope. You see grace. You see forgiveness. You see love. You see it throughout the Bible. In our services, when we read, after we confess our sins together and I read the assurance of God's grace, it's not the same every week, right? We take those all over the Bible, from the Old Testament and from the New Testament, because all throughout God's word we see that he is a gracious and forgiving God. And the more we spend time in that, the more we absorb that, the more we can feel God's love for us, the more we can receive that cleansing power into ourselves. It's another reason I love this daily prayer project that we've been doing together as a church. Because each day it takes us back into God's forgiveness, into his word, into prayers, that we may receive the cleansing of Jesus and experience that in our lives. So we, experience, we ask him for it, we pray for it, we go to his word. As with everything, then there's a choice. Once we recognize the reality of, of our sin, once we start to receive the cleansing of Jesus, we've asked him for his forgiveness, we've been baptized into him, we're spending time in prayer and his word. We have to choose habits of confession. Because as we've seen throughout this series, the choice of these habits both flows from these other realities and creates these other realities in our lives. We see it here in, in verse 9. If we confess our sins. He already said that we have sins. He already said that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. That's a given reality, a given fact. But then there's the call to confess, to actually say it out loud. This is why it's always part of our worship service. We must confess our sins together. But this is also why we should make this a regular habit in our own lives. And this habit of confession can look different ways. It can, and, and, and it's appropriate at different times. Of course it's appropriate when somebody makes known your sin to you, when they say, you've hurt me in this way, then it's a right habit to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Or when you just realize I've done something, say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? But that's really hard for us to do. I said a few weeks ago that I'm sorry, I was wrong, are some of the hardest words in the English language. They're hard to say. One of the ways that we can get there is by making a habit of seeking out confession, even when it's not being thrust in our face. Even when nobody's calling us out, but to make a daily habit even 
of sitting before God. You can write it down to write down, Father, this is how I have sinned today. And sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes it's painful. But to write that down and say, well, your word, you promised that you would forgive me. Please help me to realize your forgiveness. It's a good habit. It's, if we make a habit of that, we have a habit of it on Sunday mornings, corporately and silently. If we make a habit of it through the week, then when, when we are faced with the person to person and somebody is hurting, if we've made a habit of it, we know that we can confess to them and we can know that we're forgiven. And even if, if their response is not always what we hope because people are people and when we confess to people, it, it doesn't always go to sunshine and roses. I make no bones about that. But we can know that if we have confessed to another person, that God has forgiven us. And that in God's eyes, we are cleansed. So we need to make a habit of this so that we can experience the confidence of this promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we bring that laundry, that dirty, even sometimes it's gotten moldy, we bring that laundry out of the corner, out of the dark place, and we wash it. We wash it in the blood of Jesus. We hang it out to dry in the light of God's power. And then it can actually change. And then we can actually change. See, the cleanse us from all unrighteousness is not just a promise that we're not going to be punished for our sins, but a promise that we are actually going to be made righteous. I said the reality of sin in our life is ongoing, and it is. But Jesus does make us better. He does make us more righteous in this life. And so this promise of cleansing is not just for forgiveness, but is also for transformation. That through confession, through receiving his healing, we can be changed. And the ultimate promise that one day we will live forever with Jesus, ultimately cleansed from all unrighteousness in perfect happiness and perfect holiness. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your love. We thank you that you do forgive our sins. We pray that you would take this word and sink it deep into our hearts, that we may confess our sins honestly before you and receive the healing, cleansing power of your blood and walk with you in your light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.